to another episode of Just Jerry Live. I am Todd Bryant. And I'm Jeff Short. What's happening? Not too much. I did receive a question recently about why do you call that Just Jerry? So Man, maybe you want to... Uh, on that. Well, we did do an introduction on that, but do you want to... Not wanna... a podcast. What do they call these? Well, my kids call it Toddcast. <laughs> my youngest literally just said Jeff is more interesting to listen to than you are. So, <laughs> well, you know, there, I've seen studies that uh, kids these days are smarter than they used to be. Really? Well, I, I'm sure that was a recent study. All right, so uh, we still going to discuss superlapsarianism versus infralapsarianism today. Well, as soon as you tell me what it is, we'll talk about it. <laughs> no, I hope nobody turned off already. That is not what we are going to discuss today. This should be a little bit lighter episode. Uh, we, we did several on reading back when we began, and we sort of took a little break from reading, but that's a huge part of mine and your life. I, I was checking Goodreads out. I read 37 books last year, which I know a few people that would think, wow, that's crazy, until I tell them how many you read. You read 60-plus books last year. Hmm. It don't seem like that. Well, Goodreads either has bad information or that's correct. No, I keep track of them on Goodreads. I tell you, if, if you're a reader at all, Goodreads is an excellent site to be on. Keep track of your books, get recommendations and uh, it, it's just a great site to use for books. It is. I have recommended it to a number of people. Very few actually go do it, but it is it is very helpful. But anyway, what we're going to do is just look back on 2018 at some of the better books that we read out of five different genres. So let's just jump right in. Fiction. What do you got? Well, I read several books last year and it's it's hard on these categories to figure out there's usually two or three that seems like any one of them could be the one you put at the top i'm just going to make a plug here for pg woodhouse uh, i read several of his books last year he was a i guess you would call a a humorist uh, but he was british so it's a dry humor but i find his books a lot of fun very interesting and uh, so definitely would put him as maybe the top fiction author. But the single book that I read that was just a compelling, gripping story and just a page turner. It's one of those kind of books that you're reading it when you really ought to be doing other things. Uh, and that was Peace Like a River by Leif Inger. Uh, that was his first book. It's several years old now. Um, but just a, a gripping story, you know, that involves uh, sacrifice and all that sort of thing. Selflessness has a touch of the supernatural in it, but uh, nothing, nothing too bad or, or, you know, too scary or anything like that. Just it's a great book. I haven't read. He's come out with another couple since then. I, I look forward to getting into them, but he set the bar pretty high with his debut novel there. I need to read that. That sounds, that sounds interesting. I, I, I wish... We were doing 2019 too because I have just read two fictional books this year that are great and fun and outstanding. In fact, my wife is reading the first of the two right now, and she's really enjoyed it. But I'm going to hold off the temptation. Um, <laughs> la last year, I read another book called The Rule of Love by Jonathan Lehman. And in that book, he talked about this book. This is a historical 
fictional book based or set in South Africa about 70 years ago. And there's tons of historical background of all of the racial inequality that they had back then. But this is viewed through the life of one man, and it is just a great read. I could not hardly sit it down. The name of the book is Cry the Beloved Country by Alan Patton. And I mean, I really enjoy that. Very rarely do I ever you know, see somebody refer to a book in another book and I buy it immediately and read it. Sometimes I'll make a note, but this time I bought it immediately. I really like Jonathan Lehman and I felt that was a good recommendation, but it was just a great read. Gripping uh, is a word that I would look at to use to describe it. So, all right. So that's our, that's our simple, by the way, if you're interested in why two preachers read fiction, we did a podcast on that on just reading in general go go listen to that we think that's important for people to do and most of these fictional books are a lot better than the sitcoms on tv today (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's sort of light let's go to something a little bit heavier i think both of us agree that preachers should be reading books about preaching regularly you agree that oh certainly why well, that, that's your main business. I mean, you know, as a preacher that, you know, that's your, that's your work. And so, uh, you should always be striving to improve and that's, that's going to encompass all sorts of things. Sometimes it's, uh, improving in theological understanding. Sometimes it's improving in communication skill, uh, what have you, but you're always trying to improve. And I think just continually reading books on preaching is just one of the ways that helps you do that. No, I completely agree, as you know. And I read this book last year that I thought was just a great practical book that spoke about preaching in a theological manner, reaching people where they are. One of the best quotes in the book is to the idea, or maybe not a quote, this is in my own words, but he said you need to be preaching like people are intelligent but that they don't know anything. And that's one of the things that I brought out of it. He, preaching to the people where they are to your congregation. The name of the book is Preach Theology Meets Practice. Greg Gilbert is the primary author. He is helped by Mark Dever. I could not recommend it more. I thought it was a great read on preaching that every preacher ought to read. Well, read I read it last year. year. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did. I would just agree with what you're saying. One of the things that it was the kind of book, and this probably doesn't happen a whole lot, but it was a book on preaching that immediately affected some of the things I was doing. And along those lines of preaching to the people that are actually in front of you, and that's going to include, you know, your church members as well as, you know, visitors that may be present. And then thinking of those people as, you know, these are intelligent people, so they can understand, but think that they're intelligent, but just don't know anything about what I'm going to say. And so you're going to explain it. And it's a good approach. No, I, I completely agree. I, I thought it was a really good book, and I'm, I'm glad that I read it. it he, he begins in a great place, you know, that the scripture is our only basis of truth. And then he works all the way through the book, basically from that foundation. It was it was really good. Now, you, you're not going to use that book, though, as your book on preaching. You've got another one, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that easily could have been my top book on preaching. 
but this one is a this is a book that's a little bit different. And as we we was talking there just a few minutes ago, that there's all different aspects of preaching. And so this isn't a book on homiletics, you know, or the art of of rhetoric or communication or anything like that. But this is a book called Preaching Christ from Proverbs, and it was written by Jonathan Aiken. And Jonathan Aiken wrote a commentary on Proverbs, and the name of that escapes me at the moment. But this is a book specifically about preaching Christ from Proverbs. So as a preacher, we come to the Old Testament, and of course our our first goal is, you know, we want to preach the original meaning in its context and all that. But from that, we also want to preach from the Old Testament to Jesus Christ. You know, we want to preach the gospel from the Old Testament as well. And that can be challenging. And Proverbs is one of those books that I think is probably one of the most challenging to preach Christ from. You know, how am I going to preach the gospel? How am I going to preach Christ from Proverbs? Well, he offers a lot of good insight into the book of Proverbs and also in getting from Proverbs to Christ. And so this is just a a little sample, and I'm paraphrasing from him here, but this is just a little sample. So you come to the book of Proverbs, you think about the first nine chapters starts out with Solomon's, what I always call his fatherly addresses. He's constantly saying, my son, you know, give me, give me your ear, my son, listen to what I'm telling you, my son. And so it's about being a wise son. He's he's trying to teach you how to be a wise son. Well, obviously Jesus is the only truly wise and obedient son. Solomon says that wise sons are a blessing to their father. Well, you know, the father said of, of Jesus, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus is the only truly wise and obedient son who was nothing but a blessing to his father. Well, on the other hand, Solomon also warns about foolish sons, foolish and disobedient sons. And foolish and disobedient sons are a grief to their father. And foolish and disobedient sons are also deserving of punishment. Like in one place, he talks about how a servant um, will outstrip a rebellious son if that's, you know, if that servant is wise. So Jesus is the only truly wise and obedient son. But at the same time, he suffered and he suffered punishment as a foolish and disobedient son, but he did that in order to bring foolish and disobedient sons to wisdom. So that's just a little appetizer, I guess, for why you should uh, read that book. That's good stuff. By the way, you can see why preachers should be reading books on preaching from those two books. Those two books are nothing alike. They're completely different focused, though they still are going to help you in pulpit ministry. Now, by, by the way, I just happened to look it up. I think Aiken's commentary on Proverbs is from that Christ-centered exposition series that you okay. know, David Platt and a few big guys did. Uh, that's a great series, by the way. I've, I've got a few of those commentaries. Those are good, if anybody was interested in that. You got a genre you want to go with? I think we got three left. Oh, we need to talk. probably talk about self-improvement. We need to talk about self-improvement? Well, right along with... Reading books on preaching, I, I and of course this isn't just for preachers. Honestly, I think it's something everybody ought to be doing. They ought to be reading um, books on 
self-improvement that oh okay um, I, I took that a little different when you said we need to be reading books on self-improvement I, well I, and i i think i did mean what you thought i meant as well uh, me <laughs> you and me especially definitely need to be reading books on self-improvement i think our or if our wives were here to give answer they would uh, say amen or something right now i, I was looking for a, improving a podcast book but there's not <laughs> one so. you know how the best way to improve a podcast is by improving improving the podcasters <laughs> well that may be I, we, I think we've already got that recommendation actually but anyway <laughs> uh, we pay the bills so we'll keep talking okay i i am tempted to speak of a book that we used in a men's class at our church last year disciplines of a godly man by kent hughes i am going to resist the temptation that's my second read of that book great book but I want to talk about The Trellis and the Vine by Colin Marshall. This is a book that probably I could have dropped down to theological, but this is a book that is about discipleship in the local church. It is theological in a sense. However, it is very instructional because it teaches from the pulpit to the pew how discipleship ministry should be going in a church. You know, everything's built on the gospel, but that discipleship, the growing of one another in the faith, should be the the life of the church. And we think of church just happening from 11 to 12 on Sunday morning, and that's just not the way that you see churches functioning in the New Testament. There was clearly discipleship ministry between, you know, say, older women discipling younger women and older men discipling younger men. You see Paul discipling Timothy and Titus. And right. you see, I mean, originally, obviously, you see Jesus take 12 men under his wing, so to speak. Of course, one of those was Judas, and he had he served his purpose. But the rest of the 11, they had a very special place. Three of those, maybe four, ever how you count, had an even even closer walk with Christ. Discipleship is what you see in the ministry of Jesus and what you should be seeing in the church. I wish I had read The Trellis and the Vine 25 years ago. I didn't, and I wish I had. But it is a great, great book. Yeah, that is a really good book. What you got? Well, first of all, I just want to say how much I liked the way that you resisted the temptation to talk about Kent Hughes' book. That was you know the effort done. I had to put forth to not mention that book. I know it. It was, uh, and it was well worth it. All right. So my self improvement 2018 was "Do More Better" by Tim Chalice, and I'm liking that already. It's a it's a brief book, so it's a, a quick and easy read. Chalice is very understandable. You know, he's kind of like the Pete Rose of Christian authors. He's, uh, well, not the gambling part, you know, but he, he's going to hit you a single just about every time. And, and, uh, you know, he's going to get on base for you. So he's, he's just straight down the line, easy to understand. But the book itself has to do with productivity and even with some touches of, of what you might say biblical theology on work in there. But, you know, as Christians, our relationship to work and what we, should be doing and accomplishing but it's a book especially about time management and organization and so he talks about a number of the digital tools that are available and useful it's a great book i definitely recommend it for preachers but honestly i would say any christian could benefit from reading do more better and maybe it'll maybe you can you know manage your time well enough that you'll be able to read through the bible in a year by reading daily wow we should do a podcast on that (laughs) (laughs) We should. I, 
I love Tim Chalice. He, I've met him a couple of times uh, just in, in very quickly, and I've always found him to be a super nice, down-to-earth, approachable guy. I've never read anything by him that I regretted reading. Like you say, he's hitting singles. He's not aiming for the fence. He writes good stuff. And one of the things that I've read by him as much as anything is his blog where he does commentary reviews. So if I'm going to preach through a Bible, uh, a book of the Bible, I'm going to go see what are the most popular commentaries out there on a book. He's going to give you a lot of great information on them. And he, that's a great site. Tim Challies has really helped me. Absolutely. All right. So if you're going to grab a biography out of the ones you read last year, and you're going to brew yourself a thing of tea, to read with them, because I'm assuming you drink coffee in the morning with your daily reading and tea later in the day. Is that right? <laughs> I probably don't drink as much tea as I would like, to be honest with you, but I do enjoy a good cup of tea. Okay, so somebody's wanting to know, what is your favorite tea? Well, this is probably, a bonus, by the way. This is a bonus for people. Yeah, right? this is a, you, I mean, you get your money's worth and more when you come to Just Jerry Live. Um <laughs> Probably a chai tea uh, would be just about my favorite. I've had some good, some of the Tezo teas uh, that are good. There's a hibiscus tea that they've got that I really like, full of flavor, uh, really good tea. Some of the uh, breakfast teas, I like those as well, but probably chai would be my first choice. Let me tell you what you need to get. Twining's Ultra Spice Chai Mm. is outstanding. That's absolutely one of my favorite teas. I like the Bigelow vanilla chai really well, but this one is great. All right, so so you're going to go brew you a cup of tea and the best biography that you read last year. Well, this is sort of an autobiography slash memoir slash book on reading, and that is Education of a Wandering Man by Louis L'Amour. Just a fascinating book. I mean, he basically lived as a hobo and that's you know without the sort of the negative connotation of hobo he was just a guy that he was drifting you know from place to place and doing temporary work here and there and just a fascinating fascinating account of his life i really didn't know much of anything about him except he's written about 125 books i think fiction you know mostly westerns he talks about living that life but he also talks about the books he was reading you know, all during the time of traveling and, and here and there. And, and uh, so you're going to find just a ton of recommendations of books you're going to want to read. And one of the things I liked, he talked about one year, he decided for the whole year he was going to keep track. Now, he's a big advocate of always having a book on you. And, of course, this was the days before Kindle and, and the Kindle app on your phone and what have you. But always having a book on you, which I used to do that before I had a Kindle or phone. But anyway... So one year he decided he was going to keep track of all the books he read just while he was waiting for people. So in a year's time, he read about 25 books, if I remember right, just during times he was waiting on people. Wow. You you know, we waste a lot of time this day and age. Right. You know, I saw that you read that on Goodreads, and I I need to go back and put that in my to-read section so that I'll remember. That, That sounds good. You know, I had seen the movies on, you know, the Operation Alka, which was the the five missionaries that went down to Mm. South America to the Alka Indians and ultimately lost their life as they were all speared 
by the way, while they had guns on them, they could have killed those Indians and they chose not to. I, I had only seen the movies until last year and I ended up reading for the first time ever through Gates of Splendor by Elizabeth Elliot. I actually turned right around and read The Savage My Kinsman by her as well. But wow. that, that, I mean, that is a, that is a book through Gates of Splendor and The Savage My Kinsman that will really change your perspective on the cost of following Christ and absolutely and the love that we should have for our fellow man and his hearing of the gospel it's so amazing the entire story through those two books is that yes these men had guns yes they could have killed the Aukas when they speared them but they knew that the Aukas did not know Christ and they did. And ultimately these women go in later to live with the same people that murdered their husbands. And today there are, you know, Christian Christ believing people in that tribe. And I just don't know that as Americans, we often think about our fellow man in that sense. And I, that book will change who you are. Through Gates of Splendor and uh, and the follow up, The Savage My Kinsman will be will be worth it as well. You've read both of those, I'm sure. I have more than once, and just fantastic books. I think everyone needs to read. And so if you're if you don't have it, you're short on cash. Let the chickens live another day or two, and get those books and read them. Amen. Uh, I've recommended them. I've, I've given those books to a number of church members, and and they've they've enjoyed them as well. Okay, so that that leads us to the heaviest of the sections: theology. We're pastors; we should be reading theology. This is probably actually the section of books that I read the most books of. So this made it sure. difficult to to choose one, but I'm going to choose one that is one of the easier reads that I read last year. I, you and I both read a few deep books last year, specifically, I know, because I glanced back through your list of books. But I read Chosen by God by R.C. Spruill. Barely got this one in. I read this in December. Barely got it on the 2018 list. That is, and I've enjoyed Spruill, what I've read before, but Chosen by God may be the best book I've ever read by him. And that's saying something because I thought the holiness of God was really good, but Chosen by God is just a very down-to-earth, easy-to-read, almost introductory look at the doctrine of election, and just written in a in a straightforward, simple, straightforward manner that anybody can relate to, anybody can understand. You don't have to be a theologian to read this book. That you you can read this book if you are a new believer and and in the pews. You don't have to know all of the terms to get this book. And I, I thought that's why I would recommend it, because I think anybody could read it and and benefit from it. Chosen by God by R.C. Sproul. I'll have to add that to my list. I've not read that one. It's a great book. Well, I've got a book that I have tried to get people excited about since I read it, and that mostly has been an abject failure, although I did get you to read it, and I think you liked it pretty well. So, What book is uh, that? This is a book entitled The Whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson. Oh, yeah, that's a great book. Now, this is a book that it's it's actually part history, and part theology. And the history part is probably going to be a little difficult for people, and maybe that's why people aren't getting excited about it, because it has to do with 
an 18th century controversy in this little village in Scotland, this village of, and if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was Arcturator. I don't know how to pronounce that properly, but that may or may not be close. <laughs> so um, in this little out-of-the-way rural village in Scotland in, the I think, the 1700s, this controversy arose around a book entitled The Marrow of Modern Divinity. And anyway, so he gives a lot of background into that. That was things I really didn't know much of anything about. I had heard of The Marrow of Modern Divinity and the controversy, but didn't even actually know what either of those were. So getting the historical background is very important. But I really think that the real value in this book is how he comes down to the key issues pertaining to legalism, and antinomianism, the preaching of the gospel, and assurance of salvation. And any preacher ought to immediately recognize that these are core issues that you have already faced and you will continue to face as you pastor and as you preach. So it's very good on sorting those things out. I like how that he shows how that antinomianism and legalism are actually coming from the same root and they're just sort of two different branches from the same root problem. It's a book that I certainly think preachers absolutely need to read it. You're probably not going to be real successful at getting, uh, you know, your average Christian, your average church member to read a book like this, but uh, certainly one I think preachers should work through. You know, I was just about to say the the point that I probably remember most from that book was that uh, antinomianism and legalism come from the same seed. I mean, they are definitely connected in ways that I I perhaps had never really put that together. That I had right. no problem reading that book. I thought that book was very straightforward. It, it was simple to me. I could not put that book down. I have had a few people ask me, that I struggle reading it, but I, I just didn't. It, it it was an easy read for me, and I enjoyed it. So, but I do I absolutely recommend that book. That is a great book, especially for pastors, Sunday school teachers, perhaps. But you're right; the average layperson in the pew probably you're not going to be very successful in getting them to read that book. Well, and I would say, you know, as a preacher, one of the Real benefits of reading that book is it's going to help you think about. We tend to think about legalism or antinomianism in very rigid ways. And one of the things that book I think does really well is showing you how that you can, you're not necessarily being a legalist, but you can preach the gospel in a very legal way. Amen. And, and it's very similar with that you, you may not be an antinomian, but you can preach the gospel in an antinomian way. So it's definitely one I believe that, that needs to be read and thought through and worked through in your own ministry. No, I, I completely agree. And, and let me just plug pastors out there. You need to be reading the stuff that your congregation may not be equipped to, may not be able to. You have to read that stuff because they need that help. And you've absolutely. got to get it to them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me also say this to people who are amazed that you and I read, you know, over 100 books together, probably at the end of the day, those that did not make it onto Goodreads, 90 by these terms, 90 something, 97. We probably don't watch reruns of sitcoms nearly as much as as some people probably do. So 
save the sitcom and spend 30 minutes reading a book. I mean, you will absolutely be glad you did at the end of the day. You are going to benefit so much more from reading a good, solid book than reruns all night of a sitcom. So oh, absolutely. You just have to you have to read on purpose and make time. Read when you're sitting in the doctor's office. Read when you're on lunch break. You know, read over coffee. That's the best. That's the most biblical time to read. <laughs> but, but anyway, make time to read. And and you know, one of the great things about Goodreads too, Jeff, is that you can set a goal for yourself. You can say, I want to read twelve books this year, one a month. And I I really think that goal setting on Goodreads does help. You know, there's a there's a mutual friend that we have, pastor in Kentucky. His name is Mark Campbell. I've seen him talking about over the last year or so, maybe a little longer, how, you know, maybe he wasn't really much of a reader, but he's gotten more into reading. And if I'm remembering correctly, and you can correct me if I'm not, but I think basically what he has said is that the more he has done it, the more he has wanted to do it. You know, the more he has read and got into different books and even in his daily reading, you know, your daily Bible reading after a while, you know, it, it doesn't feel like any sort of a chore at all. You know, and if it ever did, some people say that, I don't know, I never really felt that way. But some people say, well, you know, it feels like you're just reading out of obligation. But, you know, once you do it, it, it and you're committed to it, it feels like you're not having to make time to do it. You know, it's just something you want to do. Yeah, that whole reading out of obligation thing is just a straw horse. I, I've never known or straw man excuse me i've never known i like straw horses yeah well okay that'll work but i've never known a christian who regularly read their bible from cover to cover and wouldn't benefited from it that just doesn't even make sense to me i'll tell you this before we sign off the the termite guy came by to inspect this morning and i was talking to him about church and did he know the lord and and we talked about several subjects but anyway he ended up telling me that he knew a man that read the whole bible cover to cover one time <laughs> i was like really <laughs> how interesting and, and you know i i want to say if you if you'll come to our church i can introduce you to quite a few that do that every year you yeah. know so anyway it's just not as hard to do as he thought it was and i of course i went on and told him hey man give yourself 15 20 minutes a day you'll read your bible through this year absolutely and, Anyway, I hope I know this is a little bit long, but I hope everybody is encouraged to read. Reading is worth so much more to me than watching TV. I'm not anti TV. I'm not anti movie. You know, we watch some every once in a while, but I always feel more learned, more enthused. I don't know the word maybe I'm looking for after I get through reading a good book. I, I feel more complete than I ever do after watching a movie. Absolutely. Have a great day. These have been perspectives that we have plotted today on Just Jerry Live.